Do you want the book or do you want to do just straight um, off your brain? I've got them all in my brain box. Okay. From the brain. Welcome to Rules is Written. Uh, it's Rules is Written. I, <laughs> fuck, I didn't mute the pre We're keeping it in anyway. I've muted it now. All right. Welcome back to Rules is Written. It's been a month or so, give or take, which means it's time for a short rest. Yeah. Everyone, Ooh. calm your tits <laughs> for a moment. We, what's happening this week? Well, you've read the title, so you'll probably <laughs> know. But we are going to be talking about some of our favorite feats. Yeah. Our what are feats, JT? Feats are fun extra abilities that you can choose at certain levels uh, in lieu of getting ability score improvements. So every time that you see you can get an ability score improvement, you can probably also choose instead to get a feat. Yeah, and they have their own little section in the customization part of the book. Feats are completely optional, really. Uh, you don't have to play with them, but why wouldn't you? They're yeah. great. They're fun. They're some awesome. of them come with prerequisites. Like, you may ha read some of them and it will say, you can only have this feat with a strength of 13 or higher. Yeah, uh, and then some give you ability bonuses anyway. So mm. you might be keen to choose those. Yeah, this is really... Some of these can also help you go above 20 with your abilities. So we're gonna talk about some of our favorites, controversial yeah. picks. We've each chosen a few, and mm -hmm. they're very secret, neither of us knows. <laughs> <laughs> JT, what's your first one? My first one is Grappler. Grappler. Yeah. I, I have a inkling what this might be. <laughs> what's Grappler? So Grappler is one of those feats, I think, that are also very misunderstood, I think. This is like mm. the, for me, this is like the rogue sneak attack where yeah. every time I ever use it, I will probably have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but in essence, you get super good at grappling, which is a core mechanic of D&D, &D, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't know what grappling is, it's when you forego one of your attack actions to initiate a grapple. And when you grapple somebody, their speed becomes zero after you successfully make a athletics check contested by the targets either athletics or acrobatics. So you're rolling athletics, I'm rolling an athletics or acrobatics, I get to choose. Yeah. If you win, I'm grappled and my speed becomes zero. Anything else? That target must be no larger than one size from you. Okay. So, yeah, you're, you're pinning them, really. So what, what does the grappler feat give you? Well, you don't pin them because that's something that the grappler feat gives you. <laughs> so, okay, when you normally make a grapple, their speed just becomes zero. But when you grapple with the grappler feat, now you have advantage on attack rolls against a creature that you are grappling. You can also use your action to try to pin that creature. Okay. And if you succeed, then you're both restrained until the grapple ends. So being restrained, you're both restrained. Yes. That's, uh, you've got to use that tactically because being restrained, again, speed becomes zero, both of you. Attack rolls against restrained creatures have advantage and the creatures attack rolls have disadvantage. Yeah. So you are really hoping that you've got some friends around. Yeah, this is kind of, I like this ability because it's not uncommon that you'll be fighting one thing that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you're fighting one thing that's very powerful and you're able to grapple and pin them, then, I mean... It's a dogpile. Yeah, you just dogpile <laughs> onto them, right? Roll the damage. 
Yeah. The only other thing to remember is that both of you will have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. So you could be on the the bad end of a dragon That's flame. all part of the, <laughs> the, the melting pot of the game, baby. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, grappling, I think you can build a character around it as well. It's a very like, like all right, get him, boys, <laughs> yeah. kind of move. You There's know? a lot of like fluff around it as well. Yeah. I do like grappler. All so, right, Toby, what's, what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> the one I've chosen is from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, one of the expansions, is Chef. Aptly named. You become a chef. So you get a few benefits. Firstly, you get to increase your constitution or wisdom by one, up to a maximum of 20. That's good. That's always good. Improving your con is always nice because it improves all your hit points straight off the bat. You gain proficiency with cook's utensils. If okay. You don't already. So That's now you can cook. For the, yeah, <laughs> it's important for the thing. So what's the meat of it? As, <laughs> part, nice. <laughs> as part of a short rest, you can cook special food. Now you said the name of the podcast. <laughs> you have to have the ingredients and cook utensils at hand, and you can prepare enough food for four plus your proficiency bonus. So you should be able to prepare for your party and then some, which mm. is the first thing I want to touch on, because you can use this as a gesture of goodwill to mm. people you are going to try and sway over to your side. You can have parties, you can have gatherings, so you can have ruckuses, you can have- This gives you kind of like a diplomatic tool to be able to, you know, further your plot or story or yeah. just kind of make friends. Yeah. And on top of that, it's got the crunch rules of at the end of the short rest, any creature who ate the food and spends one or more hit dice gets an extra D8, which is nice for your squishier people, they get an extra D8, that is quite a lot. So those temporary hit points? No, those are hit points. Oh, wow. You just get those hit points whenever you, you've got to take the short rest. That's kind of the caveat here. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a short rest. But I mean, you're resting anyway. It's not like you have to spend more time eating, more mm. time cooking. That's all part as part of a short rest. Mm. So you're really improving your short rest. Right, so this takes yeah, the normal- no downsides. This takes the normal short rest rules and then applies extra benefits to them. Yeah, so this is already like a, a decent kind of skill trait, but what pushes it over the edge is with one hour of work or when you finish a long rest, you can cook a number of treats. <laughs> <laughs> what these treats are is completely left up to you, but the number you get is equal to your proficiency bonus. So these special treats last eight hours after being made, so how long you're going to be adventuring kind of on average. They okay. last for a session, give or take. A creature can use a bonus action. So not an action, you can throw this on at the end of your turn or whatever, and you can eat one of those treats to gain temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. Cool things to know, this stacks. Okay. As in, well, the, the temporary hit points don't stack, but you can give all the treats to the tank and then yeah. he can chomp one right. down one turn, take a hit, chomp one down next turn. It's not like you can only get this benefit once per long You can rest use them tactically now. Yeah, you can really like shuffle them about, you can pass them in combat. You yeah. can, so it's it's a real resource that is very, very flexible. Yeah, and it's it seems like a nice thing, especially for parties that are a little bit like potion light. Yeah, you know? yeah, people who don't have access to much healing, it's a nice dynamic healing buffer. I mean, if you have a proficiency bonus of plus five, that's quite high. That's 25 extra hit points. Yeah. 
So you'd be getting that plus five around 13th level. You do go up to plus six at 20th. I mean, a lot of people will probably be kicking around the threes and the fours. Even then, it's still it's still a good ability. Plus, it's flavorful. No, oh, you see so what he puns. did there. <laughs> so that's my first pick, Chef. I love it. Yeah, I there's a lot great. of role play potential here too. I think that Definitely. this is consistent. You can use it every session, probably. Yeah. So also, I like this because it kind of will lean the party towards a little bit more of a fluff type of role-playing yeah, element yeah. to yeah, the game. Yeah, definitely. And also, with that second ability, it's part of a long rest, so you don't have to spend extra time, but you don't have to do it at a long rest. You can spend an hour making the treats at any time, and an hour can come up any time in the day. Like, even if you're doing some low-key investigating and between kind of encounters, if you're not dungeon diving, maybe you're going between encounters in a city or something, mm. there's many times you can get an hour to spare. Maybe your friends are going off finding clues or something. You can just take an hour quickly. Make them. You can make loads. You don't have to be limited to doing this once a long rest. Yeah, this helps whenever your DM's like, what do you want to do in your downtime? Exactly. Now exactly. you actually have a thing that <laughs> does something. <laughs> so what's your second one? All right, this actually leads, I think, kind of smoothly into my second choice, which mm -hmm. is inspiring leader. Ah. So in the same vein of chef, Inspiring Leader, I think, gives another kind of opportunity for a lot of roleplay in the game. Mm -hmm. And it, like the name suggests, it's just one really good speech. <laughs> <laughs> so you make a 10-minute speech that inspires your companions and the resolve to fight. Mm -hmm. In order to do this, you need at least Charisma 13 or higher. Mm. So this is one okay. of those prerequisites that we talked about. Yeah. And <clears throat> you can choose up to six creatures, including yourself, because, I mean, you know, you've got the adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really good speech. It's coursing through your veins. <laughs> you agree with how good this speech is. <laughs> and each creature will gain temporary hit points equal to your level plus your Charisma modifier. That's pretty good. If you're taking this, I feel you should have a plus five charisma modifier, right? Plus four. Yeah, it definitely helps, right? The temporary hit points are great, right? I mean, your level plus your charisma modifier, you might be getting up to like, you know, around the teens, right? Of just like temporary hit points across like five or six people. That's... Yeah, that, that is a huge kind of barrier, like protective barrier against any kind of damage that's going to come your way. Yeah, and especially if you know that you're about to have like a big fight, it's like, this is a fun time to be able to be like, let's prepare, guys. Yeah, I can see the only problem is if you get surprised. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes, maybe <laughs> tough amount of time to fit into that encounter. How long does, what, the, there's a mage spell that creates like a barrier, lasts 10 minutes. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is it? It's, it's used all the time. Wall of Force. Yeah, Wall of Force can be made into a dome around you, and it lasts exactly 10 minutes. So in that time, <laughs> if you really want to, like, get out all of these... So your wizard can Wall of Force, then your chef his feet. Yes, and make his food. <laughs> nah, you need an hour for that. You can make a one snack. Yeah. <laughs> Budge, budget your DM for it. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's fun, mostly for just the... This is a fun thing to do before an encounter. I feel like a lot of parties might lean towards this anyway, and this is an excuse to be able to be the person to do that. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I do love it. I think we've, all of these have kind of rolled into an element of role-playing. Mm. I think 
that's what makes a really good feat. There's quite a few fleets in here which are like masters, like heavy we armor master, great weapon master, and they make you better at that thing. And that's cool. Some of them are really, really good. Great weapon master is particularly good. Polearm master is very, very good crunch wise. Yeah, but, you can see that and then pretty immediately see the benefits yeah. of it. I uh, we're, we're trying to underline the more nuanced yeah. ones. So what's your next pick? My next one is Warcaster. Okay. Warcaster. Not exactly the name of new ones. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it makes you better at casting spells in combat. So you have advantage on constitution saving throws to maintain your concentration when you take damage. Mm -hmm. You can perform somatic components of spells even when you have weapons or a shield in one or both hands. So you can start wielding things, bashing face, and casting spells. When a hostile creature's movement provokes an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at that creature, rather than making opportunity attack. You're basically getting a free action here. Yeah, this is pretty sweet. I kind of like how uh, it really stresses the hardiness of the caster. Yeah. Which so, I think might lean towards a support thing, like a yeah, cleric or a paladin. A cleric. A paladin is a half caster, so you can't quite take as big advantage of this. This, for me, really leans into multi-classing. Mm -hmm. If you are high enough level to get some good multi-class levels going on in maybe a wizard spec or a sorcerer and a barbarian or something, yeah, this can luck. let you. <laughs> <laughs> this can let you really tank some damage and deal it out at the same time. It's got a bit of a personal kind of attachment to me because, like, when I played Skyrim, my first character was a battle mage kind of thing. I yeah. think it's it's a really cool ability. You get to hit things. Sword in one hand, ball yeah, of ball of flame in the other. In the other. <laughs> I think it's really good and. This is one that unlocks a whole new playstyle. It's essentially a class between classes. That's why I like this one so much. You're not just pigeonholed into a certain way. There are many ways to exploit Warcaster. Mm. So in your mind, how does this help like bridge between two classes if you wanted to try to multi-class into it? So the obvious one is being able to be a barbarian or something like that, a tanky class, and also throw some spells. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But you can also do things like convince your DM <laughs> that you can cast spells without the use of your hands. You can carry things, you can be a pack mule. There's obviously lots of MacGuffins around in D&D that you have to collect, move things, places. Being able to have that flexibility yeah, so now you can't have the, you know, bind and sack the wizard. Yeah. Right? You can still cast spells somatically. Yeah. If you... So it says weapons and shields, but, mm, like, do you need to... If you have two-handed weapons, there's... I mean, this is a bit of a gray area as well. You could say that it takes one, your free action, to sheathe a weapon, but maybe if you have two weapons, it takes two actions to sheathe them, so you'd have to use your full action to sheathe both weapons, and then you can cast things. It, it's a bit finicky. This is one to discuss with your DM, how Warcaster will work in your game and what you can do to unlock his ability. If you have a cool DM who can run with it, you're going to have a good time with Warcaster. Mm. Okay, what's your third one? Okay, my third one is your least favorite one. It's fucking lucky, isn't it? Which is lucky. 
<laughs> I knew you would pick things. Somehow your ESP was correct. Uh, go on. Go on, let's do Lucky. So Lucky is, I mean, indisputably one of the, like, mechanically best feats to choose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard not to be drawn to Lucky. <sighs> so you have three luck points. And these luck points will kick in at just the right time. <laughs> After you roll a d20 for either an attack roll or an ability check or a saving throw. Anything! Anything at all! Anything at all. You can choose to re-roll. Just spend one of your luck points and re-roll that dice until you get the outcome that you want. Do you have to but This is before the, the outcome one? is determined. You can choose which one of the d20s you want to use. So you, you not only get to re-roll, but you get to go back to your original roll. Yeah, because luck. You don't have to use <laughs> the new one. It's that unluck. <laughs> and if I'm interpreting it right, you can spend multiple luck points on the same roll. Yep, you have three you can choose to use whatever <sighs> you want, including on the same roll. It's, it's so unimaginative. <laughs> okay, and the last bit about this is that you can also use your luck points when attack roll is made against you. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose, after you roll this d20, whether the attacker uses this roll or their roll. <sighs> yep, that's luck. Why do you like it, JT? Because it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to see why. I can see why people take it. I can see why it's always the first one people take. Every single player. Because I, it's the best I one. I actually Why would you not choose the best one? In my one? games. <laughs> I straight up ban it. I'm I'm not going to lie. It's just, it's too good. Reroll all your things. I think there's arguably some better feats in here that give you, say, more damage output more consistently. If you average out all the numbers, that one is, like, numerically better, sure. My problem with Lucky is it takes away from a narrative. D&D is just as much succeeding as it is failing. And the amount of times when you get to a crucial point and you massively fail a role and you now have to run with it. You've got to improvise, you've got to adapt, adapt, improvise, overcome. You've got to think about it, you've got to build a whole new story, a whole new narrative. Nothing's going your way. And that is when you get some of the best D&D stories to come out of it. Mm. But and this just... If everyone takes the lucky feet, because there's no prerequisites, everyone can have it. Oh yeah, you can. Everyone takes the lucky feet. It's just you, bad things just don't happen as much by by such a wide margin. You go from rolling badly maybe a quarter of the time to rolling badly. I would say statistically in the key things that matters, like one percent of the time or less. Mm. Like it, it just destroys kind of the narrative of failure. So, counterpoint. Yep. <laughs> this also requires a bit of, like any other feat that has like a limited pool of uses, an amount of, I guess, prioritization, right? You have to know what is important. I would say right? yes if you got one, but you get three. <laughs> <laughs> you get, with your bonuses that you have as a character and you're stacking like, People, uh, parties tend to rotate to have the person who's best at the thing do the thing. The ranger does the tracking, the rogue does the lock picking, all mm. those kind of things. So they're already min-maxed into this ability. So it is a 
wonderful narrative moment when the rogue completely fucks up at lockpicking and you've got to find a new way into that. But okay, now the rogue, it, it's a crucial moment. They only happen like maybe once per character, per long rest. You need to like get through the thing, do that like really pass the check. Nope, I failed, I'll just roll again. I'll just roll again. I'll just roll again. You can roll four rolls on this. One check if you really want to. Mm. So there are definitely ways to kind of, if, if people are using this more for the combat role, but in my experience, people don't use them for the combat roles unless they are on death's door. Unless it's like a one hit and I am dead forever. Mm. You can't use these on death saving throws. That should be something. Unless it's one hit and I'm dead forever, people save them for skill checks nearly always. And skill checks are the narrative bread and butter of D&D. So that's your main problem, is mm. not so much the combat focus of this, it is yeah. destroying the narrative. Yeah, and I understand that it makes me sound like a Scrooge. I totally <laughs> get it, I completely do. It's, but failure is a big part of D&D. That's mm. why we have these checks in the first place. That's the whole thing. That is something that is essentially out of your narrative hands. You make the decision to do something and how that happens is in the dice. When you take that ability like out of the dice, you're taking, I think, a core part of D&D that makes D&D fun. Even if you constantly min-max against randomness, if you're trying to make your character the best it can be, I'm sure you get pleasure out of making it the best it can be, out of fighting that randomness. And this is just a nuke to fighting <laughs> randomness. Like, it just, it just destroys so much potential mm. for that. So I can understand the arguments for it. I think in the grand scheme of things, they don't hold much water because Lucky is so good. If it was once per long rest, maybe then I could see it. Or if it was, you can just re-roll skill checks and nothing else and maybe have different abilities for different things. I could totally see it and it would become a mid-tier, upper mid-tier ability, but it's everything. So I get like the argument in worst case scenario, this mm -hmm. is narrative destroying and everybody chose Lucky and they will never succeed, they will never fail at the things that are like narratively critical. Uh, but in my experience, I've actually seen Lucky used for like a myriad of different reasons and often like players goals and like the goals of the narrative aren't necessarily the same in fact they're often different yeah and I think that people gravitate towards using Lucky for more like narratively minor but they could be narratively minor but they are always more personally important things right this could be like when you are having like a tavern arm wrestling contest with some guy and you're yeah. like i'm the strong one <laughs> yeah i you know? think there's definitely a play group that will lean into being using lucky just for the small personal things but in my experience that is the vast minority of players They're, they'll kind of save it. it it's the same kind of psychology as when you play through a video game you get to the final boss and you have 7,000 health potions that you've saved the entire time so you're like maybe i'll need it later maybe i'll need it later maybe i'll need it later but you know when you're going to get your health potions back. You get them back every long rest. You and get this sounds three of like them. it could you be a, to use them. It could be a difference in campaign style as well, because yeah. there are also campaigns where like the central narrative is like something of a weaker force to the personal exploration of like you know random encounters and character-driven things. Yeah. Right. And in those circumstances, it seems like Lucky is used more to like 
flesh out, I guess, what your main ambitions and designs but, are. But this is also another point that wraps back. It helps flesh out your successes. Mm-hmm. And successes are inherently boring. <laughs> like, in Star Wars, they don't blow up the Death Star in the first ten minutes. Like, all narratives, all stories come from some sort of failure or challenge. Unless you're watching French art house cinema, like, there's, there's every story. It's a real human thing, overcoming challenge. And this if, takes away the challenge. Yeah, if, you, if you're saving it for your personal things, let's say you want to be the strongest arm wrestler in the town. That's your personal goal. Okay, you achieve it, it pretty instantly. Like yeah. if, if you're and then the you can live the rest of your and life then, okay. as the strongest arm wrestler. And, and it, it just becomes and that's great. a checklist of, <laughs> I've done this thing, I've done this thing. Success, 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 success. It gives too much success. Mm. And it's a bit of a, like, uh, I feel like a dirty thing to say, to be like, because as a DM, you want your players to succeed, but it, it's like when you use cheats in video games and stuff. You can pretend that it doesn't, but it takes away from the video game in the long run. Like, when you start using cheats, that game, that run of whatever you're playing, instantly dies in interest after your immediate first goals. Mm, I have a Gary's mod that tends to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary's mod is used to create challenges, mm. create games. There's, I mean, I'm sure, if you have good arguments for Lucky, please send them, I do want to hear them. I don't want to just railroad the conversation into it. I, I've had this conversation with with different people, and I'm definitely not saying I have the correct opinion, but I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's my view with Lucky. That's how I feel about Lucky. Okay. We're gonna blast through my last one because I spent way too long talking about Lucky. My last one is Sentinel. Sentinel is quite cool because it underlines my also my philosophy of giving someone way more tactical advantage in combat mm. when we talk about combat stats i i think combat stats are ones that give a player more to think about more options more things to do sentinel is whenever you hit a creature with an opportunity attack its speed drops to zero and this stops any movement they may have been taking creatures within your reach provoke opportunity attacks even if they took the disengage and whenever a creature within reach makes an attack against a target other than you, and the target doesn't have this feat, you can use your reaction to take a melee weapon attack. This makes you like a queen in chess. Like your positioning is so important to key to holding choke points. I think it adds just a delicious layer of tacticalness. Right, and this definitely helps if you're playing with like a grid-based game. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah like definitely. Occupy it space. can still work in the theater of mind, but you just have to be aware of it. When, yeah. Once Sentinel is in it, you, you need to flesh out the spaces more. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you also kind of need to be more aware of in the theater of the mind, because also the DM has a lot to think about, and mm. like, you know, sometimes they move around creatures and things for events and stuff. Yeah. Don't necessarily think about opportunity attacks on the way. Yeah, yeah. So making sure that everyone's kind of aware of opportunity attacks and really utilizing them to their fullest. Yeah. This uses opportunity attacks. It it goes from being something that can be forgotten about to being a central a mechanic. mechanic for yeah. you. Which I, th- I think is a cool thing. I think it's a, uh, this should totally be just a, an ability of a class. Mm. Uh, higher ability, I think is great. I think it's fantastic. Maybe a paladin could use this. 
Yeah, I like that it makes your positioning more important and mm. it gives you more to do. Yeah, definitely. So, that's it for this week. Yeah. Hopefully, we've given you some food for thought. As always, you can reach us, toby at rulesaswrittenshow.com. Message me your thoughts on Lucky. And if you really want to, message me your thoughts on Bountiful Luck from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which is potentially even more horrific. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. Uh, you can help support us. We are starting a Patreon. Information for that is coming soon. It'll be all linked in this. Mm. And you can visit us on our website at rulesaswrittenshow.com and drop us some comments and stuff. Yeah, please do. Love hearing from you. Send this to a friend, please. <laughs> we need more stats. I like the numbers when they go up. <laughs> but you are more than just numbers to us. You're, you're also lines and trends. <laughs> <laughs> Although the last episode, Rogue, people people don't really care about the Rogue, I've noticed. Mm, not a lot of love for no. Rogue. All right, well, we'll be getting this episode to you ASAP. I'm going to get to editing. We'll see you guys next time, where we will be bringing you the Sorcerer. Mm. Ooh, we're going to be starting the trio of casters. Mm. Until then, until next time, au revoir. Goodbye. Goodbye.